turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. Now, if you're, if you're a believer, and particularly probably you ladies, uh, you've probably, if you're ladies, you've probably had someone, particularly in ladies' ministries, this church or maybe other churches you have uh, been to in your lifetime. How many ladies have had a fair number of times reading Proverbs 31? Right. But not from me. In seven years, I've only preached from the pulpit from Proverbs 31 one other time. This is my second time. I mean as a, as a text. I've quoted from Proverbs 31 numerous times. Uh, it would be impossible to teach on some things and not. But as far as using Proverbs 31 as my text, I've only done it one other time uh, in seven years. And I did that uh, as the picture that Proverbs 31 is of the church, the faithful church. Uh, and, and that is more uh, illustrative, but the more straightforward reading of it is to wives and moms, isn't it? So let's look at Proverbs 31. We'll pick it up starting in verse uh, 10, and I'll read verses 10 through 31. Uh, starting in verse 10, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good, and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands to hold the spindle. She holds uh, she extends her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all of her household is clothed with scarlet. Kind of reminds you of part of our study in Exodus. She makes tapestry for herself, and her clothing is fine linen and purple. Think of the tabernacle. Her husband is known in the gates. When he sits among the elders of the land, she makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies sashes for the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. Oh, how that's needed. And on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Father, we ask again for your leading, your guiding, the work of your Spirit in our midst as we listen to you on the role of motherhood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Moms have a very demanding job. Now this is, you just read the text here, this woman described has quite a full plate, doesn't she? Moms are the most creative, reading something that a gentleman named Richard Kerr wrote, he said, moms are the most, have the most creative job in the world. It involves fashion, decorating, recreation, education, transportation, psychology, romance, cuisine, literature, 
art, economics, government, pediatrics, geriatrics, entertainment, maintenance, purchasing, law, religion, energy, and management. Anyone who can handle all those tasks has to be somebody special. She's a homemaker. What an interesting way to describe all of the things that a mom does. You know, uh, I, what I, I don't normally start off with something humorous, but I think this illustrates the point. A four-year-old and a six-year-old presented their mom with a house plant. They had used their own money, and she was thrilled that they had bought her this plant. The elder of the two children said with a sad face, there was actually a bouquet that we wanted to give you at the flower shop. It was really pretty, but it was too expensive. It had a ribbon on it that said, rest in peace. And we thought it would be just perfect because you were always asking for a little peace so you can rest. <laughs> My kids have heard that and might actually think rest in peace is what mom needs to hear. But you can rest in the Lord and still do all of these things and still have the refreshment that will only come from God. If you're, take, uh, if you're taking notes this morning, the title of our time in God's Word this morning is The Eternally Minded Mom. The role of motherhood is difficult. Uh, it's challenging to say the least. It's tiring, isn't it? And the stakes are really high. Why, why are they so high? Why are the stakes so high? Well, because God has entrusted literal lives and souls, right? Not product, not something you buy and sell, but literal souls that will live forever. That's how high the stakes are. The birthing process alone should give us an inkling of how high the stakes are, right, ladies? There's incredible pain. It's life and death, especially in, in historical times, but it still is today. It's touch and go if you've been in the uh, labor room. I, I did all three. I know some of you older men that used to sit outside and wait for the cigar, the bubblegum cigar, if you know the Lord or whatever. But, uh, you know, I went in there, cut the umbilical cord. I was in for all three of the births of our daughters, and it's not a pretty scene. <laughs> I, I came to realize that. Even my queasiness, Lord gave me victory every time. I mean, I, I, cut the cord, you know, like this, turn the other direction. But if you've been given children, you've seen the miracle of new life, haven't you? You've seen that miracle of new life. And then, once this new life comes into your life, you have now the responsibility of protecting, providing for, teaching, training a child. It begins then. And for... Uh, a wise and godly mom, it doesn't end even when they're grown up, does it? You still have a role to play in being an eternally minded mom. Now, I'm speaking this morning uh, directly to moms, although some of the things that we'll talk about are specifically for moms. The applicable net, if you will, is wide enough to encompass grandmothers and single women in young ladies. This doesn't mean that the men can check out. Stay with me, guys. 
if you're a husband and a father, or you ever hope to be one, uh, one of our roles is to help to encourage our wives in their calling as mothers. Amen? I'll be doing a message called the Eternal Minded Father when we get to Father's Day. So I'll, I'll flip the script a little bit. And it's not my script, it's the Lord's. We'll look at exactly what God has to say in both cases. But as men, our role, our specific details, and our calling may be different, and in fact it is different, but the spiritual commitments are exactly the same. Does that make sense? In other words, the calling, the very specific things we do as men are different, but the commitment is the same, because we still actually have the same master, the Lord Jesus, which is good, because when you have the same master, you're going to be on the same page. Isn't that great? Proverbs 31 is uh, regularly referenced as portraying the characteristics of the virtuous woman or the virtuous wife. You'll hear oftentimes, Proverbs 31, woman, virtuous wife, virtuous woman. And this uh, this picture, as I mentioned, the only other time that I did it specifically in the last seven years, uh, it's also a picture of the virtuous bride of Christ. Matter of fact, any picture of a godly woman in, in the Bible is a picture of the bride. Now, every time you study the Bible, now think about it. Every time you see a virtuous woman in the Bible, it's also a picture of the bride of Christ. Every time. Every time you see an immoral, wicked woman, it's a picture of the world. Remember the harlot in, in, uh, in Revelation sits uh, on, the, on the seven hills? Every time you see in the Bible, there are two pictures. But uh, this also... In the straightforward understanding of this text, I also want to put a spotlight on some keys or some truths that are actually hiding in plain sight that reveal the doorway to practical and eternal fruit while growing and flourishing as a godly mother. In other words, this text also you could call it the virtual mom, the virtuous mom, not virtual mom. It's enough of that. It's enough of that in our society today. Uh, the virtuous mother, godly mother, eternally minded mother, because this is also really concrete from God, specific things we can understand about how to become or be fulfilled as a godly mother. In our country, and certainly countries around the world, as the world is becoming homogenized, I've seen this as I've traveled abroad, and, and even in the United States is a lot more homogenized than it was even 15, 20 years ago. But in our country, and certainly all these other countries around the world uh, where uh, you, know, you see people in upward mobility and achieving more, and, and, and then uh, money comes into a society, we have a lot of moms, millions of moms in America and millions of moms worldwide. And their motivations in life are varied today, aren't they? We have the career-minded mom now in the millions. This really started uh, to somewhat in the 50s, then the 60s, then it's accelerated in the 70s. In fact, many in society glorify, and I mean glorify to the nth degree. I know, I spent 17 years in corporate America. The company I left just, uh, this, just this week, uh, our new CFO, uh, I, I spent time out in Seattle at times with, and got to meet a lot of our executive team. Our, our new CFO, not mine anymore because I've been gone for eight months, but the new CFO of the company I left, 41-year-old woman, graduated from Duke, honors at Harvard. 
she would actually look at some of you homemaking mom with pity, like almost a pat on the head. You poor little woman, look at you. Now, I'm not saying she thinks that way. I'm saying that that is not unusual. I have heard it expressed right from the mouths of different women that I've worked with over the years. So I'm not making it up. I've heard it. And this is a common thing uh, today. Now, I'm not speaking, uh, you know, like I said, I know that society glorifies the highly successful and the highly efficient mom, the mom that can do it both, boardroom, bedroom stories, all of it, highly glorified today. Now, I'm not speaking of mom, uh, women that have to work, that have to work to provide for their children as a single mother. I'm not speaking to them. If you're here today, that you, I'm not speaking to that. Uh, or mothers that have to work because the financial needs in the household just are what they are, and so some, they have to have two incomes. Those things happen, currently not covered by their husband's jobs. But the career-minded mom is in the millions. We also have the, my kids are my idol and can do no wrong moms. Have you met them? Oh, my goodness. They're a growing number today. This was not the case even when I grew up in the 70s. I was born in 1969. I remember in the 70s, every mom on the street would never take the word of the kids. He said, what? Well, his dad will beat him when he gets home too. Not today's moms, a lot of them. The my kids are my idol and can do no wrong-minded moms. We have a lot of them now. We have the my personal pleasure, fitness, etc. is the most important to me moms. You met them? I have. We have the bitter moms, we have hurt moms, we have discouraged moms, we have about to give up moms, and that's just to name a few, right? All these descriptions are very real, and for very different reasons sometimes. Uh, and the Lord, the Lord reached out to women and moms that other people wouldn't reach out to. We have the single moms and the Fresh Start program here that, that, uh, that uh, Simi and uh, some of the other ladies are involved in. We know that God cares about all the different moms and where they got there and how they got there. And let's face it, they got there because if they're not an eternally minded mom, they didn't just arrive there on their own. They've been deceived. They've been deceived. Many in, many in society have been deceived. But Jesus, he desires. He both desires, and not only does he desire, he has the power to transform the heart of every mom to reflect his heart and his will. Do you believe that? Jesus has both the desire and the will to transform the heart of every mom to his will and to actually walk in his will. He really does. Now, that doesn't mean that some of you would have to actually quit your job or anything because I said, God knows, the Lord knows that some single moms have to work. That doesn't mean she can't still fulfill her role even more as an eternally minded mom, right? God has, no matter where you're at in life, God has a plan to help bring us to that place that we're not living out our own self-designed goals and interests or living in our own defeats. That's just as bad, isn't it? Living in the past of defeats. Well, I can't believe I'm here. What could I ever do? Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, he'll acknowledge you. Or you acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. As I mentioned, I've titled today's A Time Together, The Eternal-Minded Mom. If you're taking notes 
uh, the three things that we'll look at this morning. She's focused, she's faithful, and she's filled. She's focused, she's faithful, and she's filled. First and foremost, what is the eternally minded mom focused on? See, everyone is focused on something. Everyone's focused on something. What is she focused on? Some of you are eternally minded moms. Some of you may be close. (laughs) Some of you may not be there today. If you're honest with the Lord, you're honest with yourself. But the eternally minded mom is first focused on Jesus. Whether she has a husband, whether she doesn't have a husband, first focused on Jesus. You know, Jesus' own mother lived this way. Did you know that? Jesus had a mom, Mary, right? She had never known a man. The Holy Spirit came upon her. She gave birth to her very own Savior. In other words, she needed her own son the same way you and I need Jesus. She lived this way. She knew God had given her this son who was also her savior and her counselor. No one can actually put themselves in her shoes. I mean, she she had a, a a very unique calling in the history of mankind. But yet, in John 2, 5... Jesus' own mother, she was speaking. She said to the servants, listen to what she said to the servants. You know when Jesus did his first miracle there in Canaan with the wine. Whatever he says to you, do it. She had come to know, whatever he says, do it. Now, men and women, that's not true of a lot of us as believers. We don't always do whatever Jesus says, do we? But that's the goal. God says, what? Mary came to know, look, he must be exalted. He must be followed. Whatever he says, do it. And of course, we see her later. There she is at the foot of the cross when he died. Once again, now she's looking up to her Savior. She already believed that her eyes had to be on the Lord Jesus just like everybody else, even though she was his mother. As Hebrews 12, 2 states, the eternally minded believer and certainly the eternally minded mom is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Ladies, that's where, that's where daily worship begins. That's where uh, the eternally minded mom, that's where her service to Christ begins. That's where her strength begins. How many need strength, Ladies. We all do. That's where the strength begins. That's where the wisdom and peace for the day come from, is going daily, first and foremost, to the feet of Jesus. That's the focus. It's not more complicated than that. That's the focus, to go every day focused on that walk, that relationship, that Time with the Lord Jesus every day. But 2 Peter 2.18 says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In it. In that relationship. Grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory 
both now and forevermore. You see the focus? The focus is to be in Christ, growing in the grace and knowledge of His power, His strength, His wisdom, His love, His authority, but giving Him glory in everything. To Him be the glory. The Scriptures are clear. Men and women, you too, kids. Now that I have to throw in for them to wake up. The Scriptures are clear. We are first and foremost called to abide in Christ. That's it. First and foremost, above everything else. And then to wait on and in the Lord, in the power of the Holy Spirit, to wait on and in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Mark 12, 30, Jesus speaking. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment, he said. We don't have to wonder, well, I wonder what the first thing a godly woman should focus on. Jesus already told us. First commandment. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Jesus, author and finisher of faith. Jesus, in him and grace. In him and strength. In him, in him. Abide in me, Jesus said, John 15. That is the first commandment. Our eyes on the Lord Jesus. How else? Can a godly mother make the use of the minutes God has given her without the Spirit of Christ leading her? How else? Well, it would be impossible. You cannot have time be redeemed. We're told to redeem the time. You cannot have time be redeemed unless it's done in Christ through the power of His Holy Spirit. Look, um, one second before I say that. Moms and everyone else. Is Jesus, the, really ask yourself, is Jesus the focus of your life? Is Jesus the focus of your life? Or say, not really. He's about number three. Not really. On Sundays, not really. Or can you say, yes, he is. With all of my imperfections, and we all have them, right? He is the focus of my life. Are you able to say that? that he's the focus of your life. Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, by the way, practically, moms really get challenged with some things. I, I read that laundry list of things a mom do, you know? Sounded like, uh, I, I didn't have time to read it. I actually have another thing I could have read from H&R Block. They, they came out this week, and they actually put a dollar value on all the things that moms do. Uh, and they just took the hourly wage uh, of all the things from nursing to teaching to transportation. It's about, uh, it about $76,000. Husbands, if you're not paying your wives $76,000 a year, they'll both be, be telling, telling you later, by the way. But that was, that was before tax write-offs. So you actually could uh, up, up it a little bit. But I bring that up because moms have, sometimes moms that say, well, I want Jesus to be the focus of my life, but have you seen my day? Follow me from 4 a.m. or whatever it is, if, especially if you've got really little ones and you're nursing and doing all these things. I, I, I've seen it. I know it. I have a wife with three daughters. I grew up in a large family. My wife, mom had seven of us. Uh, I know that these things are really difficult. But I love practically something you got to pick out from what Jesus said. When Jesus said, love me 
with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I think there's something with some depth there that we're sometimes missing. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say with your back. He didn't say with your biceps. He didn't say with your cooking skills. He didn't say with your, he said your heart. Jesus said, if you will start your day focused on me, I don't care if you're sitting in a rocking chair nursing your child and you're just dozing off. If you just, he didn't say with 18-hour Bible studies. I have a calling to do those things, but not everyone else does. You do have a calling to be in the Word, and you do have a calling to be in prayer, but he says with your heart and your mind. You can do that when you're washing clothes. You really can. You can do that if you're riding down the street to go to the grocery store. You can make Jesus your focus. Jesus says, do not tell me you can't do it in the heart and mind because you can. Then I'll, I'll take care of the rest. He says, I'll take care of all the other stuff. You make me your focus in the heart and the mind, and I'll take care of the other stuff. Does that make sense? He says, start there. And, and I have to do this all the time. There's times where my back's been in tons of pain and everything else, and I have to worship God in my heart and mind. I can't even do certain things. I can't read as much or this other thing. You and I have both come to know that God says, I'm in the stillness, quietness of out there nothingness where just the heart and the mind reside. That makes sense? And Jesus says, that is where it starts. We're to give everything, do everything unto the Lord. Eternally minded mom, she's focused first on loving, she's focused first on loving and serving Jesus as her Savior. But what comes right after that? That's where we want to go back to Proverbs 31. Open it back up if you closed it. This is important because I'm speaking directly to moms. We'll speak to the dads more specifically on the eternally minded father. Speaking directly to mom. Look at back with me at verses 10 through 12. Who can find a virtuous wife? Tough question. For her worth is far above root, far above rubies, not just a little bit above, far above. And we're not talking about a cup, we're talking about a big bag. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. Interesting statement. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. So he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and evil, and not evil. <laughs> Freudian slip. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Well, that's true. It shouldn't be, though. In society, not my wife, other people's wives. She does him good and not evil. Now, what if the chapter, think about this, what if the chapter stopped right there? It would be just as true if the chapter stopped there as if we pull it out by itself. What is, what is God saying through Solomon and putting this down? Now, I realize that it's actually Solomon's mother that writes this, but Solomon actually is the one that puts it all together. But what is God saying? If it stopped right there, if Jesus is our first focus, eternally minded mom, number two, is her husband, not the children. We'll get to that, because you can't be a mom without kids. That's where it starts. 
if you're a wife and a mother, notice your highest person-to-person calling. It's right here. You can call husband neighbor number one. What do I mean by that? Well, that's the second greatest commandment. Jesus said the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So your first calling is a focus to Jesus. Your second, if you're married, if you're a single mother, you don't have to worry, but you only have Jesus and Jesus only. You don't have to divide at all. Even later, write that this is uh, even problematic for, for wives because they actually have to have strong allegiance both to the Lord and to their husbands. He, that's why he said, some of you, you're better off to stay single because you have one husband, and that's Jesus. Whereas those of you that are mothers and wives, you have first focus to Jesus, but your number two is a person-person calling to your husband. It's the second greatest commandment. The eternally-minded mom loves and serves her husband as her first priority just after her devotion to Christ. And in fact, check this out, in fact, her love and service of her husband is devotion to Christ. It actually is devotion to Christ. Because God's the one that designed marriage. Adam didn't create the concept of a wife. He was sound asleep. God says, I actually created this while you're asleep, and she will be your helpmate, and she will love and serve you as you love and serve me. Her fulfillment and her blessing will be found in believing and walking this. You have to believe this. You have, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You say, I don't understand that. I reject that. You must believe it because God wrote it. Your fulfillment, your blessing, your calling will be found in believing this and walking in this. Now, I can see. I can see how this would be. I can see how this would be a completely foreign concept in today's mixed up and confused sense of what a wife and mother is in America. I get it. 40 years of propaganda works. I know why people are confused about this. Because they're not listening to the author and finisher of not only our faith, but what a dad is supposed to be, what a mom is supposed to be. By the way, God created women. Amen? Not corporate America. Corporate America did not create women. Corporate America is only uh, a couple hundred years old. God has no age. Corporate America didn't create women. Madison Avenue didn't create women or mothers. Planned Parenthood certainly didn't. They end a lot of lives. Cosmo didn't create motherhood. They would like to end it. The Now organization didn't create motherhood. Nobody did. God did. He created Eve as the first wife in the rib of Adam, and then he gave her, not Adam, he gave her the privilege of motherhood and bringing life into this world. And I'm kind of thankful for that, that I don't do that part of it. But it's the privilege of women to be mothers. God alone. Understand this and believe this. God alone, God alone, God alone has the blueprint, the heavenly blueprint for moms, and guess what? It starts first as wives. I don't know that I've ever heard that. 
Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But it's right here in the Scripture. It starts first as, as wives. Now, again, the world's con- uh, uh, condescending uh, understanding of motherhood comes from Satan himself. Satan tried to trick Eve into going the wrong way as a woman from the get-go. And it's been happening ever since. Now, again, Satan has plans for men too. He wanted Adam destroyed. He wanted Eve destroyed. He wanted their roles mixed up. He wanted everything upside down. And this propaganda that comes out of the world constantly telling this is not what motherhood looks like. No, this is what motherhood... Here's what the concept is. If you were alive in the 1400s, 13, 1400s, you would have been told from the time you were down here that the earth was flat. Even though the Bible says twice that it's round, well, you wouldn't have been able to read the Bible because it was only for those that could read Latin and it was for the upper, upper echelon of society and really, really just the upper echelon of religious leaders. And, of course, they were false religious leaders on top of it all. So they didn't want anyone to know the truth. But even though the Bible said the world is round, everyone believed it was flat. You would hear it from the professors at school. You would hear it from the local town crier. You would hear it from your parents. Everyone would tell you the world is flat. Now, was that true? No. It was always false. God laughs from the heavens. You think it's flat? Read my Bible. It says twice, round. So you have today the modern myth of the world telling us what motherhood should look like. God says, no, no, that's not it. This is the eternally minded mom. So you have the world crying out, the earth is flat as it relates to motherhood, and then you have pastors like myself who preach the word of God and say, no, no, that's wrong, the earth is round because God created the earth and God created mothers. God knows motherhood, God knows creation, God knows science, God knows everything, you know nothing. I'm not the least bit impressed by Harvard professors or the National Organization of Women or Cosmo or any of the rest of them with their total nonsense because they have not a clue what they're talking about, but God does. God created me. God created you. God created motherhood. He has the blueprint. When I used to work, when I worked at Microsoft, we were the designers of a lot of software that many of you use. When I worked with large companies and they had a question of how to use our software, guess who they called? Us. Why? We designed it. If we do this, Will it be problematic? No, you don't want to do that. Why don't we do that? Well, these lines of code will actually mess up. Now, why is it that the world will listen to every designer except God? They'll call us about it. They used to call, well, can we do this? No, you can't do that. They wouldn't do it. You come and ask me, well, does God say this will work? No, it doesn't work. I'm going to do it anyway. I only call help support for everything else. God is not my, I don't really, I know he created women, I know he created motherhood, I don't need to hear it. I was listening to a Christian radio program not long ago, and the host was interviewing a lady, I didn't even catch her name, Christian radio program, she speaks and ministers to Christian women at ladies' retreats and such, and she mentioned a question that she routinely asks women, and it was profound in its simplicity. And I know God wanted me to hear just this one question. She regularly asks ladies, she says, ladies, are you a better wife or mother? I didn't come up with it. God gave a godly woman this question. Are you a better wife or mother? That's a 
Tough question a lot of times, isn't it? If they answer mother, she knows that the foundation needs to be reworked and biblical discipleship is needed to see God's proper understanding of motherhood. That's all I caught. I had to get out of the car and go into a meeting or something. I, that's all I caught. And that question stuck with me. Are you a better wife or mother? I could apply the same thing to dads. Are you a better husband or father? It shouldn't be an either or, but it's a great question to start as a litmus test of where things are at. You need a level set in everything in life, don't you? You need to know where you're really at. Not where you want to be, not where you think you are, but where you really are. And that's good to know. Paul writing to Titus in Titus 2, verses 3, 4, 3 through 4, Paul writes this, The older women likewise, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands. Now you might think, is he preaching this just because he wants wives? No, no, no. I actually have a, a godly wife. I'm quite happy in my marriage. I'm not teaching this to kind of you know, convince you. I'm just teaching what the scriptures say. Teaching them to love their husbands. Well, the reason is because your fulfillment will be in obedience unto the Lord. And we'll look at the other verses 4 and 5, what Paul writes in Titus. But think about the first thing he says that these godly women, teachers of good things, should be teaching the younger women is to love their husband. Children aren't mentioned first. They come second. Love your husband. Starts there. They must have understood Proverbs 31. 1 Peter 3.6 says, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. That would make sense if you understood today's propaganda. Oh, if I do that, my life will be, he'll be domineering. Now, the Greek word here is kurios, means reverence or respect. Do you think Sarah respected Abraham? Of course she did. Do you think Rebecca to Isaac, Leah to Jacob, right? These, these women understood that God had actually designed the blueprint. Husband, the wife, the children. And it will all work if we do it the Lord's way. This is not some begrudging chore to a godly mother. She recognizes and counts it as all joy to follow God's expressly stated will. Expressly stated as it relates to supporting and serving her husband. Yes, even above the children. That's a foreign concept in America today. I mean, people say, you can't be a good mom if you put your husband above your children. Don't worry, though. Don't worry. God's ways will not shortchange the children. Quite the opposite. Your ways will shortchange the children. God says, don't lean to your own understanding. Follow my lead. Quite the opposite. As we keep reading in chapter 31, the rest, not, not the entirety, but the majority of the rest of 31 is showing her as what? M-O-M. And she looks like a really good one to me. How about you? By focusing, here, here's the thing. If you, if you focus on children first and husband second, this might be where you are as a mom. You focus on husband first and children second, you'll be up here as a mom. God's math is different than man's math. God's ways are different than man's ways. Satan knows if he just changes the formula just a little bit, he poisons the whole pot. 
You can't do it any other way. Your wife, your loving of the children's father, your serving of the children's father is of eternal value to the children. More than we can possibly understand. Oh, I see it all the time in counseling. I see it with families. I see it with broken homes. The kids will be so much more blessed and at peace when they see mom serving and loving dad. They won't be shortchanged. They'll actually be loved more. After loving Christ first and teaching your children will come straight through. Loving the Lord will come straight through loving and serving your husband. The wife and mother that receives and walks in this truth, she'll walk in joy and harmony with Jesus. I promise you. We'll look briefly at the last two things. Because this is such an important thing. I spent a little extra time on it. Not because I'm, this, isn't, this isn't the least, but so I'm, I know the Lord gave me this message to preach. Matter of fact, I hope you share it with other women. It is not what you're going to hear in the New York Times. But the New York Times will be dead and gone when I'm in heaven for eternity, and so will you be. Amen? God doesn't care what the New York Times says. They're op-ed. The wisdom of man is foolishness to God. That's a pretty strong word, isn't it? That means the wisest people... The wisest people in Ivy League think tanks are foolish to God. It doesn't mean that they don't have good brain power. It just means that what they come up with is foolishness. It has no value. But this woman, the eternally minded mom, she's faithful. Would you agree with me there's great reward in being faithful? Jesus is going to say it this way. When we come to see him face to face, well done, good and perfect servant. Mm -mm. Not what he says, is it? Good and faithful. He doesn't even say good and perfect servant. He says good and faithful servant. That's good to know, moms, because you're going to fail in loving your husband and in loving your children. Sarah failed. Abraham failed, of course, as a father. Everyone will fail, but that doesn't mean you're not faithful. Abraham Lincoln said, all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Look at what Abraham Lincoln ended up achieving because of a faithful mom. When you say, by the way, Abraham Lincoln was homeschooled. Wow, he did all that without our public school system? Yes. <laughs> Self-taught by himself and his mom in a cabin. But he didn't have the deep background of the education of higher institution. He only, his mom taught him from the Bible. You know that's the book they had in their house? The Bible. God used a godly woman to teach her son the Bible. And even though Abraham Lincoln has argued, and, and, and it's, it appears that he really didn't give his life to the Lord until perhaps during the Civil War, he followed biblical principles throughout his life. Even though his conversion... Uh, if, in fact, he was converted, many believe that he was. We won't know until we get to heaven. But if that conversion took place, it appears that it took place during the Civil War when he actually says he gave his life to the Lord. But 
He followed biblical principles, and he was a man of character because of a godly mom who instilled character in him. I think most moms are dedicated to being faithful providers of love and care and comfort to their kids. I don't know that most moms have understood exactly why God says husbands first, then children second, and I don't have time to go into all the biblical justification of why God does that, and I don't even know if I could explain all of it. I just know God says do it. But again, even though a lot of moms, uh, I think, are really good providers of their kids, they're, the, they're there with the Robitussin at the first drop of a hat. They're there to kind of touch the forehead and eyebrow. They're there to, you know, really look. They fix breakfast. They do all this stuff. They work really hard. I think most moms are inclined to really serve the kids, and I think they do it. And there is a reward for that. And as I mentioned, God is not expecting perfection there, but he does want faithfulness. But it has to be in the order. Love and serve your husband, love and serve your children. And when you do that, you're going to get the right mix of how God will have you carry this out. But the eternally minded mom, she knows that it's not just, be, it's not just about being diligent, carrying out the responsibilities of motherhood. But in doing it, in the strength of Jesus, an eternally minded mom is faithful in discipling. Discipling. We are called to go into all the world and make disciples. The first place you go to make disciples is in the circumference of your home. Now, again, moms, don't worry. I'll have plenty for dads on Father's Day on this. Make sure you drag them here. I know we got a lot of families out of town. It seems to be like the new thing. Hey, let's take mom out of town for, thank, for, for Mother's Day. Don't take your husbands out of town. Bring them back. God has an equal set of guns for both. But Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it goes on to say, right after to love their husbands, to love their children. Ah, God didn't forget about the kids. No. Why would he forget about the kids? He said in Genesis to be fruitful and multiply. He said in Malachi the reason he hates divorce is because he wants godly offspring. God knows what he wants, and he knows how to get it. He wants godly offspring. He wants godly kids more than you want godly kids. He actually wants the best for your kids more than you want for your kids. He wants to see them serve Christ more than you want to see them serve Christ. So he says, do it my way. Now love your husbands, ladies, and love your children. Be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husband, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. The world blasphemes the word of God all the time. And if we don't believe what Jesus says... It will be blasphemed. And the first place it could be blasphemed is if, moms, you don't do it in the home, your kids, outwardly, they'll say they agree with everything you do, but inwardly, they'll say, mom and dad don't even believe the Bible. And when they're 18, and they can leave the house, and they'll talk, I have heard it from kids, they can nitpick the hypocrisy in their parent, they can show it in every different direction. Now, your kids, they'll, they'll already know you're not perfect. But your kids will be able to know if you're faithful or unfaithful. They already know you're not perfect. But if they know you're faithful, they will not indict you for hypocrisy. 
they'll get mad about certain things, but it's not the same. Do you follow me on this? Are you following me? They know the difference between hypocrisy and faithfulness. And say, look, kids, this is what God says to do. We're going to do it. They'll know you make mistakes. And then especially when you come back and you say, Mommy made a mistake. Will you forgive me? You, you actually move forward 10 steps on the Monopoly board. Not backwards. With mistakes handled biblically, you move forward. Mistakes handled wrongly, you move backwards. We're not going to be perfect, but you can be faithful. And are you being faithful, ladies, in discipling your kids? Do, you, do they know that you focus on Jesus? I mean, you've got to tell them. Just flat out tell them. Say, kids, mommy loves Jesus first, daddy second, and then daddy and I love you. That's how it works. Well, I don't like it that way. Well, God designed it that way. And guess what? It really works. I have a propane tank for my, for my um, grill. I prefer to follow the directions. I don't want it blowing up in my face. It can do that even if I do it right. If I do it wrong, I'm sure to be in the emergency room or not even make it there. You know how dangerous a propane tank can be? Do you know how dangerous it is to say, God, I know what you say, but I'm going to do it differently? It'll blow up in your face. You don't want to do that. We want to say, Lord, I want to be faithful to disciple the kids. Psalm 31, 23, for the Lord preserves the faithful. The eternally minded mom, she's strengthened by the Lord to do far more than she could ever think is possible. You don't have to wonder, I wonder what God could do. God will say, I will show you beyond you could, what you could think or imagine, what is possible. Isaiah 32, 9 says, rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. Give ear to hear. Remember that Titus, Paul warned the women of idleness. He says, look, you're not going to be idle if you focus on Jesus, focus on serving your husband, focus on serving the children. You won't be idle. But the women in Israel, in ancient Israel, they had become idle. They became worshipers of pleasure. Sounds a lot like America today, right? I'll drop the kids off the daycare so I can put in a six-hour workout. Where is that in Scripture? Bodily exercise profits a little, the scriptures say. We want to be really careful to do it God's way. Look at the, look at the Proverbs 31 woman. I, I, we don't have time. We're running out of time. But look at her actions. Look at the way she lives. She seeks wool and flax. Willingly works with her hands. You have to willingly serve Jesus. He's not going to make you. You have to willingly serve your husband. You have to willingly serve the children. She... Uh, goes on, she rises while it's yet night. She considers a field, and buy, she's entrepreneurial inside the sphere of the home. She's entrepreneurial. She buys a field. And play, you know, uh, this was um, uh, another great wife that uh, you could study, Catherine von Bora, who was the wife of Martin Luther. She did all this stuff. She actually took this stuff serious. She actually stocked their fish pond. She actually turned their fields, they were, uh, they were barren. She turned them into, like, they produced all kinds of food. So they would bring guests in from all over and feed them and clothe them. She did all this stuff. But she never intended to do it. She just said, I'm going to serve Jesus, and I'm going to serve, she called her husband Dr. Luther. He called her Kitty My Rib. <laughs> Where did he get that? 
He got it from Genesis. He called her Kitty My Rib. She called him Dr. Luther. And she was great. One time, uh, one time she was such a godly woman. She served Martin Luther. She called him Dr. Luther all the time. He kind of liked it, kind of didn't. And uh, one time he was uh, depressed for a couple of weeks. And um, she, she was serving the children faithfully, but she got tired of her husband. He was never depressed. Dr. Luther, Martin Luther, was always positive and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, but he was really down about some trials that he was going through, and it wouldn't go away. So she gre- greeted him at the door one time in a black dress. This is way back, you know, hundreds of years ago. She bleed- greeted him in a black dress, and he walks in and goes, Who died? And she said, God did. He said, Stop this foolishness. He did. He said, stop this foolishness. And she says, well, Dr. Luther is living as if God is dead. With his just kind of, he was down. And he snapped out of it, and he was cheery ever since. That's actually serving your husband, by the way. You can still serve your husband and still iron sharpens iron. She did anything he needed done and she loved the children dearly, and yet God used her in such amazing ways that she reminds me of this Proverbs 31 woman. If you read her life story, it's actually fascinating. Ladies, go read it. Look her up, Catherine Von Bora. Dr. Luther's wife, Martin Luther's wife. She willingly works with her hand. She provides food for her household. Her lamp doesn't go out. She's not afraid of snow. She's always well-prepared. She shall rejoice. She's got a happy spirit. This list is not to portray, ladies, some superwoman list that's impossible to live up to. This should be the norm. Are you saying that we should do it? No, no, no. Let me. This is written to an agrarian society. Most of you don't live on a farm other than the Hamiltons. But conceptually, Jesus talked about, remember the parable of the seed? Some have a greater increase than others, right? When he talked about the parable of the talent, some actually have a greater return for their master. I may never preach to the size of crowds that D.L. Moody did, but that doesn't mean that God won't look at my life as just as fruitful. Amen? I'm not compared to Billy Graham or D.L. Moody, or Martin Luther. Jesus says, look, just do what I say, and what comes up out of the ground will all be to me. Women, if you say, I'm going to serve Jesus, make him my focus, I'm going to serve my husband and serve the children, then let God take care of the increase. And all of a sudden, you might get some idea that you never even, where did that come from? I had a dream that we should do, and that God does something entrepreneurial through the family. You will be amazed at where God will lead you when you follow him. This is what we see throughout the scriptures with Sarah, with Leah, with Rahab, with Ruth, with Naomi, with Mary, with Lois. All throughout the scriptures, these women just said, yes, Lord, and God took care of the rest. Last piece, she's filled. When a woman is focused on Jesus, her husband, and focused on her children, yes, she'll be faithful. She'll be faithful. When you do it the Lord's way, you don't have to, you know, I don't strive. I do at times because we get in the flesh. Whenever, I, whenever I'm in the flesh, I know I'm striving. 
I don't strive to be spiritual. I don't strive to be faithful. I simply trust and obey the Lord, and then he helps me be faithful. How about you? It is really taxing to try and be faithful. It is really taxing to try and be spiritual. But it's not taxing to follow the instructions on the propane tank. Left for open, right for close, right? Insert this way. I like instructions. How about you? If I simply follow the instructions, God then all, he does the work. He then flows. A woman focused on the Lord, focused on her husband, focused on children. She'll be faithful. Then she'll be filled. But if you focus on being filled, and this is the problem with the world's women, they're focused on being filled. Focused on being filled. Complete wrong. Now, Satan wants that. This is not just true for women. This is true for men. People are focused on being happy. And said, so you focus on Jesus, he provides joy, which actually supersedes and far greater than happiness. I don't focus on being happy, although I get to be happy. Dr. Luther, he wasn't focused on being happy. His whole life he was happy. Notice the time that he wasn't happy. His wife says, you stop focusing on God. That's why you're not happy. And I actually have a wife that loves the Lord enough to speak the truth to me in love. And I'll speak it to her in love. And yet she understands my role in the house, and, I'm, and God says, look, I'll bring it all together. You'll be fulfilled when you do it my way. An eternally-minded mom doesn't seek fulfillment. She seeks Christ to walk and serve faithfully for him, and she is fulfilled. Your husband can't really fulfill you. Is that new news to you? It's is almost perfect as I am, I cannot fulfill every whim and wish of my wife. Especially now if it involves money or whatever else, you know, but, but God can. And I like taking a back seat to Jesus in this relationship. How about you, dads? I'm totally at peace with that. I know that my wife is first married unto Christ, and I have second-class citizenship, which is pretty good. My second-class citizenship as a husband is actually better than many husbands that I meet, their first-class citizenship, where their wives don't put Jesus first. And they'll end up in, many times, divorce or bad relationships or living two separate lives in the same house and all that other stuff. Both husband and wife are fulfilled but I'm speaking to the moms first here. When she seeks Christ, walks and serves faithfully Him, she will be fulfilled. And her fulfillment is being filled and fed by the Holy Spirit. Filled and fed by the Holy Spirit. And the result is her life flows with the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Remember when Jesus saw a tree that wasn't bearing any fruit? Curse the tree not what he's going to do to you here. He's going to cultivate the roots. And what I'm sharing with you, the Word of God is cultivating the roots. I hope it, you say, wow, I need to drink from that. I need to walk in that. I need to live that way. Ephesians 5.18, but be filled with the Spirit. 
The Spirit will bring joy. The Spirit will bring peace. The Spirit will take away anxiety that's robbing you of strength. Colossians 1.9, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Look back one last time at Proverbs 31. Being filled with the Spirit of Christ, we see in this woman's actions, we see her acts of love. We see her acts of mercy. We see her acts of hospitality. Did you know hospitality is a spiritual gift? Did you know you can actually end up having spiritual gifts that you didn't start out with when you first got saved? How many of you have added a spiritual gift maybe in the last five years that you didn't used to have? Wow, we need to have more hands go. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know you're afraid to raise your hand and everything else, but that's okay. God wants us to grow. The, the, the Proverbs 30 woman, she didn't do this like the second she got married. This is showing the course of her life right? I've done things now that I wouldn't have thought I'd ever accomplish at 29 now that I'm mid-40s. And hopefully that'll continue. But you see her acts of mercy. She reaches out her hands to the needy, extends her hands to the poor. All these things, look at on her lips. On her lips is the law of kindness. When you walk in the Holy Spirit and you're filled with God, you speak words that are seasoned with grace. You speak compassion to people. You speak encouragement. There's many times that maybe physically or this or that, that you as a believer won't feel all that great, and yet God will have you pick up the phone and call and encourage someone else. Right? You could be a mom and it could be tough, but you're walking in joy and say, Wow, man, I feel horrible today. Just put the kid down. Or maybe you're a single mom and you're working and, and you have your lunch break and, uh, and you say, But I'm going to text so and so just three words of encouragement. Or I'm going to shoot a quick email or make a phone call. God says, Look, I will. We live in a different society than Proverbs 31 woman did. But God will say, I'll still pour out through you and in you because if I fill you, you'll be like the Jordan River, not the Dead Sea. Right? Or the Sea of Galilee, more specifically. The Jordan flowing into the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee flows out. I can't give people what God isn't giving me. And if God has given you His Spirit, you will then have something to give other women. You'll have something to give your husband. You'll have something to give your children. You'll have something to give unsaved neighbors. And it'll be different every time, and it's not a formula. It's working out in the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll be filled with joy and peace and all these things. And on your lips, ladies, will be the law of kindness. Even when Isaiah went before the Lord, he knew that the lips were needed to be touched with burning coals, right? Your lips won't be filled with gossip or complaining, right? Or whining, but kindness. And you'll even have wisdom. If you need to do something like put on a black dress when you're... God will tell you when that time comes. Those will be more far and few between, though, won't they? But that's, that, but that's being filled... What I love about that story, she was filled with wisdom. That was wise. That actually didn't... You know, if it's not from the Lord, it'll actually turn people off. 
But if it is from the Lord, it actually turns people around. And you need that, moms, with your kids because you don't want to turn your kids off. You want to turn them to Christ. You don't want to turn them the other way. You want to turn them to Christ. You don't want to turn your husband off. You want to turn him to Christ. And again, this is all true for us as men too. Amen? Let's close in prayer.